Welcome to the Laser Therapy Institute weekly podcast, the world's first podcast about medical laser therapy for healthcare providers. Each week, we discuss the latest research, interviews with experts, and how laser therapy can enhance your practice. Now, here is the founder of LTI and your host, Dr. Jason Roundtree. All right. Well, this is our first time going live on YouTube. It's um, pretty exciting. It is. It is kind of exciting. So, I uh, we're, we're hoping for a little bit smoother, uh, more timely broadcast in the future. We were having some issues with Facebook Lives, and, and really that works okay. But this so far has been simpler. We'll see if this works out. Um, and um, still, of course, this will be accessible on all the podcast platforms mm-hmm. out there. Definitely. So uh, you can always check out the audio version. That's most of what you want to know about anyway. Of course, then you get to miss our beautiful faces if you're doing audio only. So And audio version will be available Monday. That's true. <coughs> yep, it will. It so. will. Absolutely. So thanks for joining us if you're here. Uh, my name is Dr. Jason Roundtree. I'm the founder of Laser Therapy Institute. I'm a chiropractor and a certified medical laser safety officer. And I'm joined today by Christy, who is a certified laser tech. She's done a billion treatments over the years. <laughs> uh, but she's also heading up our online course development. And so if you are a doc who is looking for courses, we've got what you need. 90 plus percent mm-hmm. of our program can be done online on your own time uh, with our individual personal support. So. If you are wanting to know more about how to use lasers successfully, which is the topic we're going to talk about today, if you want to know more about using lasers successfully in your practice, get a hold of us. We'll connect you with the resources you need. we got a ton of free stuff you can get, too. I was going to say, there's a lot of information just available on our website. Absolutely. So. Yeah, so check out the website, lasertherapyinstitute.org. Uh, get a hold of us. Let us know what kind of needs you have. We can fulfill whatever they are. Everything from basic safety training and how to set your clinic up all the way up to the advanced custom protocols that we use every day and mm-hmm. we see work and that are used in our clinics across the country right so but today's topic is going to be heel spurs nice heel spurs or, or more properly <coughs> enthesophytes calcaneal oh. enthesophytes i don't know that i can say that word that's okay i'd rather say heel spur if we just say heel spur <laughs> people know what we're talking about yeah so uh this is where you know a patient will come in with uh, with pain on the bottom of the foot, mm-hmm. uh, in many cases you're going to diagnose plantar fasciitis. If you get an X-ray, you may know presence of a heel spur. How much does that matter? What do you need to know about it? Is it something that can be lasered? That's exactly what this study looked at. Does laser help patients with painful heel spurs? So uh, we'll break that down for you. Before I go any further, I do want to put out a plug for our patient-focused podcast. So this. LTI podcast is our physician-focused podcast. Our healthcare mm-hmm. provider um, really is the focus here so that we can try and communicate what the research says in a way that you can in- employ that to help your patients with laser therapy. Mm-hmm. And if you're a patient listening in, continue to listen in. We're just might be a little more, more focused on the physician side of things. Mm-hmm. But you can check out our other podcast, healing at the speed of light where we go through a lot of the same research but in a way that is a little more understandable for the average person Mm -hmm. who doesn't want to learn all this crap um (laughs) all these terms um and also a little bit more something you can leverage in your day-to-day life and and help you get good care for whatever it is that is ailing you Mm -hmm. so both very very beneficial yeah 
Yeah, so. yeah, both are good. Um, and if you know, if you're a physician listening to the podcast too, check out the Patient Focus podcast mm-hmm. because there's over a hundred episodes there. If you mm-hmm. want to send a patient information about a particular disorder, you can just share that particular episode right. with them, and then your patient education is basically done for right. that one. There you go. Yeah. Okay, so anyway, check those out, but let's go ahead and talk through this study. Now, this study was published in 2020 in Lasers in Medical Science. It's actually published online at the end of 2019, but it's in the 2020 version of Lasers in Medical Science. And the title is The Effect of High-Intensity Laser Therapy in the Management of Painful Calcaneal Spur, a Double-Blind Placebo-Controlled Study. So, pretty high-quality study overall. Um... Uh, an interesting topic because we've seen uh, a good number of studies on plantar fasciitis and foot mm-hmm. pain. This is one of the few with an actual painful calcaneal spur. I will say, not every heel spur is painful. There's a lot of people walking around out there right now with heel spurs that are not painful. So there's a difference, obviously, between heel spur and plantar fasciitis. Yes, although there is a connection, mm-hmm. we think. So, mm-hmm. actually, let's go to the study because they, they talk about this. Um, recurrent microtraumas and chronic damage in the small foot muscles and plantar aponeurosis insertions caused by recurrent injuries are known to play an important role in the pathogenesis of heel spurs. So, in the connection points of those uh, those foot muscles on the bottom of the foot mm-hmm. and also the connection point of the plantar fascia, right? Mm-hmm. If there's these recurrent traumas or strains and inflammatory processes, then the body can only react a, a handful of different ways. One thing it, that sometimes happens is the plantar fascia actually gets thickened up. Mm-hmm. It almost goes like a tendinosis type process where that connective tissue gets larger as the body tries to reinforce it, but it's very disorganized. The fibers aren't all laying next to each other, being very strong, good good elasticity. It's just kind of jumbled in there. There's fibrosis, scarring, all that junk that makes that look thicker. You can see that on ultrasound. What causes this? I mean, I'm coming from mm-hmm. a, a perspective. I know you're talking to clinicians and, and providers, but... What causes bone spurs or heel spurs and, and plantar fasciitis? Well, the, the, the plantar fasciitis is probably the, the biggest one we should mm-hmm. focus on there because that's what you usually feel mm-hmm. before you get a, a symptomatic heel spur. And there's a lot of different causes. One can be overtraining. Mm-hmm. One can be failure to properly mobilize the foot. And the biggest one, though, is improper footwear. Hmm. And I think we're all guilty of wearing mm-hmm. crummy footwear at some point. Well, we don't want to replace it. It's expensive. <laughs> it is, yes. You wear the broken down stuff. You throw on the, the flip-flops mm-hmm. to, you know, run over and see the neighbor or whatever. You know I mean? Mm-hmm. There's, there's a lot that we do to our feet that can overwork them. And that's what really starts that chronic inflammatory process. And that's what produces the pain. Pain is accompanied, though, by tissue changes like this thickening process. All right, so you can see that at some points it will damage the plantar fascia enough that it can't thicken. It actually gets thinner and hmm. more fragile. Okay. So we have to watch for that as well. Again, something you can see on ultrasound. Mm-hmm. Some people, the body will actually start to calcify the connection point because that's its way to reinforce it. Kind of mm-hmm. like a tendinosis process. Mm-hmm. It's actually it's a term called calcific tendinosis. Um, which happens like in the shoulder and other places there. 
And this is kind of a similar process. It's under chronic repetitive strain, micro traumas, like they say in the study. So the body starts to add calcium to this connection point where the plantar fascia attaches to the heel. Okay. Now on x-ray, you can see this really obviously. The bottom of the heel, you'll see this big chunk of bone sticking forward on the foot. And it's it looks like just a completely foreign object has grown out of the heel. It's really not. Right. It's actually a calcification of an existing attachment right mm -hmm. but it's a giant chunk of bone how much does that really matter well they say in here that the heel spur is um found to cause heel pain between 30 to 89 percent of cases mm -hmm. that's just a really wide range but mm -hmm. that's to say you know there's at least 10 percent of cases out there that are not a problem at least 10 percent of heel spurs are not a problem maybe as much as 70 percent of heel spurs are really not a problem so if you happen to shoot an x-ray on a patient and they have a heel spur you really probably don't have to go oh my gosh we've got to fix everything about your foot if they don't have any foot pain complaints yeah mm -hmm. don't go hunting for a problem when there really isn't one however if they have these plantar fasciitis like complaints you know pain at the first step in the morning pain after resting, pain when they go to get up from sitting in a chair for a few minutes, you know, um, that goes away the more they walk, that might be tied in with a heel spur. Certainly could. So if there's someone who's walking around with a heel spur, mm -hmm. does it just go away eventually or will it eventually cause pain? We don't know. Okay. We don't know. And I can say just from clinical experience, I've seen people that come in, have a recent, relatively recent onset of plantar fasciitis, foot pain on the heel, something like that. Um, and maybe it's just been the last couple of months, we get an x-ray or somebody else has already done an x-ray, we look at that and there's a huge heel spur. Well, that did not start two months ago. That's been going on for a while. Mm -hmm. So I know in some cases it can go on for a while and then become painful. Mm -hmm. In other cases it never becomes painful. <laughs> so where's the value in even caring then, yeah. right? Why yeah. do we even care if there is a heel spur that's painful or not? Well, because it changes the way you approach the, the injury. As a, as a clinician, you cannot really treat a plantar fasciitis case the same if you have heel spur. You should at least be aware of it so that it, because it, it really could be affecting your treatment plan and the mm -hmm. schedule, the, even the, uh, the options you offer the patient. So it's good to know about. Yeah, yeah. There's a couple other things here I thought I would go ahead and bring out from the study. The, the symptoms include inflammation, swelling of the feet, and pain when weight is given on the feet, also limited range of motion. Uh, there's no standard treatment for calcaneal spur. Generally, conservative treatment uh, in, uh, includes things like NSAIDs, steroid injections, cortisone injections, uh, stretching exercises, acupuncture, ESWT, or shockwave therapy, mm -hmm. um, and laser therapy, uh, arch supports, heel pads, and night splints. So there's a lot of different things that can be thrown at this, and that's why uh, you've probably heard 80 different strategies to address mm -hmm. plantar fasciitis, and that's why patients say, oh, well, nothing fixed my plantar fasciitis until I did whatever. You know, mm -hmm. there's a whole bunch of different things that can be done, but there's really no standard. Okay. So we don't have anything to just that's a go-to. They do go on to say that high-intensity laser therapy does have benefits for anti-inflammatory, anti-edema, and analgesic mechanisms. Compared to other laser sources, high-intensity laser offers the advantages of high penetration into tissue and the ability to treat deep tissues and structures 
through its operation at the right wavelength. And the right wavelength in this case they're saying is 1064, 1064 nanometers. And that's on the little bit closer to the kind of mid infrared spectrum. Mm -hmm. Invisible, mm -hmm. invisible, right? So now most people, if they've heard about lasers and they know anything about low intensity versus high intensity lasers, they know that there's some level of warmth that can be generated in some cases by high intensity lasers um, and low intensity lasers really do not generate any heat uh, in their application they say that this photothermic effect or this warming effect is kept under control in terms of safety and comfort by just adjusting the intensity and the frequency at which it's being applied uh, the technique as well is mm -hmm. important with mm -hmm. a low intensity laser you're typically going to apply it and hold it to the point that you want to treat with a high intensity laser you're going to scan over the area mm -hmm. that you want to treat and that helps to mitigate some of that warming nothing wrong with a little bit of tissue warming right everybody loves a heat pack right but that's not the goal that's, that's not, not the mechanism the here that's yeah. not the goal that's so the goal. we want to manage the heat so it stays comfortable <laughs> and that scanning motion is is how you do that while still delivering a large in often cases a large dose of light to those tissues well and it gets the surrounding tissues too i mean you're getting a wider area you're exactly right and that's another point we should make is that if you're going to apply a laser to a painful calcaneal spur you should be treating the entire plantar fascia not just the spot that you think has the spur. Not only might you be a little bit off, unless you're like doing a guided procedure mm -hmm. with ultrasound, but you need to get those surrounding tissues. I mean, the plantar fascia is extremely dependent on the surrounding tissues being healthy as well to bring mm -hmm. in fresh circulation and exchange lymphatic fluids. So you should be treating the entire heel and the whole bottom of the foot. Mm-hmm. Some people will treat even more. They'll treat the leg, the ankle, the bottom of the foot, the heel, sometimes the top of the foot. Mm -hmm. My point is, though, and the point that you bring up is, we don't want to treat just one tiny spot. Mm -hmm. We really want to address all the tissues that could be part of this equation. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's a very good point. Thank you. <laughs> the other thing is you want to pick the right kind of patient. And, and what I mean for that is you want to pick a patient that's going to be successful with your care plan. So um, in order to do that... Uh, you need somebody who will follow what you say, recommendation-wise. Mm -hmm. Now, in this case, they took these subjects and um, made them ask them not to take any analgesics or NSAIDs. They wanted to eliminate any of those anti-inflammatory factors. We do know that in a lot of cases, anti-inflammatories will limit the, bene the benefits that laser can have. They also took people that had heel pain on palpation and had a diagnosis of calcaneal spur, which was seen on a lateral x-ray of the foot. Um, if they, let's see, what else? That was the main thing there. Mm -hmm. So those are, it's a pretty low bar. Mm -hmm. um, but just if you've got somebody who's not going to stop taking their ibuprofen, they're going to have less success rate when it comes to this kind of thing. Right. So. Right. So, like I said at the top, it's a it's a double-blind placebo-controlled study, which means that we've got an actual sham laser treatment going on. Mm -hmm. um, and the... The therapist didn't know which one they were doing, the live treatment or the sham treatment. The patient didn't know either, which is, that's what we want to go for. That's mm -hmm. kind of our standard right. that we want right. to see. Because sometimes if you know, your mind does help oh, yes. control some end result. Absolutely. <laughs> so. Yes. Which can be just fine in, in right. clinical practice, but not in a study. But in not a in study, a study. Yeah, we exactly. want to see what works and what doesn't. Exactly. 
So the first group of, of participants here, they had the high-intensity laser plus exercises. Second group had the placebo laser therapy along with the same exercises. The exercises were done five days a week for three weeks, about 25 minutes worth, and they're very, very standard, very typical stretching and exercises, range of motion exercises, some strengthening of the tibialis posterior and pronus longus. Um, you know, really exactly what you've probably done in clinic, what you've seen done mm -hmm. by PTs, the whole bit. So mm -hmm. very normal, very standard, and I will say helpful. So we'll come back to that in a minute. Okay. The patients who got laser, we're getting a laser that's actually not available. It's an Italian laser that's not available in the US at this point. Uh, very, very high peak power, uh, 3000 watt peak power, but a very, uh, a much lower average power, 10 and a half watt average power. Okay. So putting out large bursts of light, but mm -hmm. just very briefly. So the mm -hmm. average power's you know, just over 10 watts. They delivered 1,012, I'm sorry, 1,281 joules uh, during each session, which took about 10 minutes with that particular laser. Okay. Uh, many other lasers are out there that can do that a lot quicker, mm -hmm. actually, the same, same dosage, but uh, can deliver it to a larger spot size in a much quicker amount of time. I mean, so did they do the, the whole bottom surface of the foot? As far or? as I can tell, they did the whole heel, the and whole it heel. sounds like most of the bottom of the foot. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, because in calculating it out, it appears that they did about eight joules per centimeter squared. Okay. So it covered a lot of mm -hmm. a lot of the foot, I, I believe. Yeah. I could be wrong. If you were on the research team for this one, let me know. <laughs> yeah. Um, they did laser therapy at the same uh, the same rate too. So they did laser and the placebo laser five days a week uh, for three weeks, total of 15 sessions. And they just disabled the sham device. Mm -hmm. um, it was same device, just placebo settings. And actually a lot of lasers have that to enable you to do um, you know, studies like this, so that you have a good placebo control. Mm -hmm. They really did a good job investigating the outcomes on this one. So they, they measured heel pain severity in the morning on a zero to 10 scale, general pain level assessment, which was a questionnaire, a health related quality of life assessment, which was again, a questionnaire, a function assessment, foot and ankle outcome score, they also did a plantar pressure measurement using a pedograph, and they did a dynamic measurement with this by putting the patient on a walking platform, uh, had them walk, and they actually took, uh, they, they kept track of the pressure on both feet, the posture of the patient, symmetry and parallelism of the shoulders and the feet, um, contact area of the heel on the medial and lateral side, and there's quite a bit that Pretty went into extensive. that. Pretty extensive. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. Because pain is your, your kind of primary outcome here, but right. they wanted to see function-wise if this would make a difference as well. Well, when you get back to, you know, some of the causes, improper footwear. You right. Know, if you're looking at that, I mean, simple posture and, and contact level. I mean, I Absolutely. can see where it's all beneficial. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, so. if you've got crummy footwear and it's – it's not letting the foot move like it's supposed to. It's just this repetitive strain, really. Hmm. So they did this for three weeks, mm -hmm. five days a week, three weeks. And what they came away with when they did the final measurements, they did uh, they, they retook these tests at four weeks after they started and 12 weeks. So okay. three weeks of laser, then a week after that, they did the measurements. Mm -hmm. And then 12 weeks later, they did the measurements again. They said there was no significant difference in the pre-treatment and post-treatment values for pain. That's very interesting. Most quality of life and function scores at the four weeks and 12 weeks were about the same too. 
but there was a significant difference in the dynamic pedobarographic values in favor of the laser therapy group. Now, they go on to talk about actually they had some pretty good results in pain for both groups, but they were so identical that they really didn't say that one group could win more than the other. Hmm. So the advantage here for laser in this study was only for the way that the patient was walking. So they functioned much better, but their pain levels were about the same. Hmm. So you'd think, that's weird because laser is supposed to help with pain. Why, right. why did it not help with pain? Right. Uh, or why did it help just as much as the, the placebo laser did? Is it all placebo? Well, clearly not. These folks were, you know, is a st statistically significant change in their walking biomechanics. So something changed with laser mm -hmm. that didn't. But, but what was it, and why didn't we see better pain relief results? That's what I want to know, at least when I read this. Yeah, that's a curious thing. Yes. Yes, it is. But you're going to tell us, right? I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you my guessing, my <laughs> guesses, because um, I don't have a study that did things the way that I would have done it necessarily with this. But we do have another study, same type of laser, uh, actually a little bit different device, but same wavelength, mm -hmm. high intensity, class 4, 1064 nanometer laser. That was done on a plantar fasci on plantar fasciitis cases without heel spurs, mm -hmm. so usually less severe or less tissue change, I should say. Mm -hmm. They treated them three times a week for th for three weeks, and they had very good results. Hmm. So that right there tells me there may be issues with the schedule that was picked in this case. Okay. Five days a week is a lot. And it's yeah. really, in my opinion, almost never necessary when it comes to some of the high-intensity devices that we have. You just you can put so much energy into the foot, you really just don't have to do it every day. Mm -hmm. Also, they crammed it into three weeks. I think they just kind of overworked the tissues. Even the exercises may have been a little bit too much at you know, mm -hmm. five days a week. Yeah, but that's a good point. That's, that's a lot. Good point. Mm -hmm. And if you go and you lift bicep, you do bi you know bicep curls five days a week for three weeks. I mean, how far are you really going to get? Right. You know, is it really worth it? Probably not. Well, when you think about that, you know, your muscle fibers are breaking down. They need time to heal. They right. need time to regenerate and get stronger. They do. You, you need I that think break. It's the same thing with with this. Yeah, I would I would guess so as well. And not that they hurt anybody. They did help all these patients mm -hmm. through rehab. And so that's my number one takeaway, that rehab really is critical because that's why these patients in this study felt better is because of the rehab, not because of the laser. Okay. So do your rehab. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you can't just ignore the rehab side of things. And it does go well with laser. So if you're doing laser therapy, go ahead and do your rehab too. Mm -hmm. The other takeaway that I'd leave you with is that longer and less intense scheduling is usually going to be better especially in the case of chronic tissue changes and adaptations like heel spurs or tendinosis you've got to give the body time to make those changes in terms of reversing some of the damage and the inflammation because those tissues are not normal anymore right. so if you have something you know is more chronic either you've got shoulder tendinosis you know rotator cuff tendinosis you can see on your mri or ultrasound mm -hmm. or you've got a heel spur you can see on your x-ray those are more intensive tissue problems than somebody with simple tendinitis mm -hmm. or plantar fasciitis without a heel spur you know so give them the time that's the biggest thing mm -hmm. give them time to see that change and don't worry about doing it every day i just don't think 
that's going to be our best schedule, especially we've got this other study on plantar fasciitis three times a week, three weeks, and they actually had very good results. Mm-hmm. I think I think you can, in most cases, get away with a three times a week kind of schedule for patients even with chronic problems. Now, more acute, maybe acute whiplash. Yeah, I can see treating that every day. But something like this, I just don't think, I don't think it's worth it. The patient's not going to get their bang for the buck, and you may actually even be overstraining the tissues and mm-hmm. slowing down the patient's progress, um, especially if you're working them hard in rehab and you're throwing laser at them all day. Yeah, every day. So let's look at what a successful laser protocol probably looks like. Number one, you do need to make sure they're in proper footwear. Um, because if you are fighting bad footwear, it's going to be an unending battle. You will help the patient only as long as they don't wear that those crummy shoes. So check out their gait, see what they're wearing, make sure they've got good shoes on. That's number one step. Number two step is put them in a night brace. The nighttime braces hold the foot in a way that don't allow as much inflammation to gather in the fascia, we think. They're mm-hmm. also cheap. Really? Yep. Okay. Mm. And how long would they wear the night brace? Until they're feeling pretty darn good. Okay. You only wear it at night, you know, and right. it's a little awkward to sleep with that first night or two, but mm-hmm. it makes that first morning step a heck of a lot less painful for most people. Now, some mm-hmm. people, you'll, you'll prescribe these, they'll use them, and they won't notice any difference in like a week. If they're not seeing a difference, fine, they can discontinue. But most patients are going to be better and get better quicker if you put them in a nighttime brace. Interesting. Hadn't heard that before. That's a good one That's for good anything one. plantar fasciitis, especially if it's got heel spur there too. Okay. And then I would say six to ten weeks of laser, depending mm-hmm. on the severity of the patient's case, uh, how chronic the problem is. Um, three weeks is not enough. Six weeks is probably about enough, but certainly going all the way out to 10 weeks is not unreasonable. It's taken years for that spur to develop. This is not going to be a problem that goes away in a handful of days. It just isn't. In most cases, the pain will be the first thing to go away, you know, and not even the tissue damage. So carry this thing through so they're not right back in your office a month later saying, oh, it came back. Well, and that's a good point. You know, pain goes away. They say, okay, I'm healed. I'm, I'm, or I'm, you know, it's not a problem anymore, mm-hmm. but you still need to continue the the treatments to have more long-term effect yes Uh, one one of the mistakes that i made very early on in my laser therapy journey was we would get people out of pain pretty quick in a lot of cases and then i just send them out the door and i had a lot of those people that came back and you know a month or three months later and said hey i was really good and then it came back you know Mm -hmm. nothing really happened but now the pain's back it's the same as it was before it's really frustrating Mm -hmm. so what we learned is that by tapering them out of care Mm-hmm. You can deliver just a few more sessions and have them stay good for a much longer period of time, mm-hmm. much more happy with their results. Um, and it also lets you kind of keep track of that patient. Do they go back to wearing those flip-flops, mm-hmm. you know, and have a flare-up? Mm-hmm. So you, it helps you head off some of the episodes that they might, you know, go into. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not about getting more visits on the schedule, mm-hmm. right? It's about getting the patient better so they stay better. Right. And this is the best way to do that. Because the happier the patient is, the more likely they are to bring in their friends, friends and family and come see you whenever they have anything that they need fixed. And then there's still that on the patient. They have to choose the right footwear. They have to they do. make some different choices. Yes. Yeah. And make, so. make sometimes some lifestyle choices. Right. You know? Yeah. 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 Last thing for a successful laser protocol. So you got proper footwear, use of a nighttime brace for most cases. 
six to 10 weeks worth of laser therapy, adding in shockwave therapy appears to be quite good as well. Not only for heel spurs, but for plantar fasciitis in general. So I would say that is not a bad thing to include in your laser care plan because you can do them both. They actually support each other just fine. Okay. If you're not getting any response in that six to 10 week range, if they're literally just not getting better, that's when we'd probably consider looking at some type of regenerative injection like PRP. But mm -hmm. please don't let your patients go get cortisone injections in the foot. It's damaging. It mm -hmm. thins the fascia. Rupture of the fascia is a real side effect of cortisone injections mm -hmm. into the foot. So if there is any way to get your patients to avoid those, I highly recommend that. I talked to a patient today who had that done, said it was the most painful injection they had ever had. They didn't even, couldn't even imagine how painful it was. And she's telling us this as we have her on the table doing about 10 PRP injections into her knees. Wow. You know, that, but that foot injection of cortisone specifically was the worst thing. She had a, a PRP injection that actually fixed her plantar fasciitis later. Cortisone is, is just so temporary. In a lot of cases, yeah. Of some cases. people do get some lasting like relief from it, but in a lot of cases, you know, you are sometimes even setting yourself up for failure later. Mm -hmm. and that's not a good place to be. Just the word damaging, you know, that keeps mm -hmm. me from wanting to go there. And that's why we like laser. <laughs> yes, laser exactly. is non-damaging. Um, you know, uh, non-invasive. Non-invasive. Yeah. PRP is non-damaging, but it is an invasive process. Can be useful in in some cases, but start them start them with the non-invasive. Right. It's the safest. Right. It's the easiest for everybody. It's completely comfortable when it comes to laser. Shockwave can sometimes be a little bit uncomfortable, but it's not bad. Um, using a nighttime brace. I mean, these are all things that really do work. That have been shown to work well. And put them together, get your patient better, help them avoid the cortisone injection, help them avoid future surgeries, right. even if they have a heel spur. Right. Exciting. Interesting. Very interesting study and hopefully a long-term success for people if this becomes their issue. Right. That's the idea. But they have to find a, a place to go. That's right. If you're a patient listening to this going, well, I sound sounds like I want to do some laser therapy, get with a good clinic that does it. Go to our website, lasertherapyinstitute.org. Click on the clinics tab. It'll take you to a map of all the different clinics we have across the country, as well as some non-affiliated clinics that do offer laser therapy. Talk to your doc, your chiropractor, your PT. See if they offer laser therapy. See how confident they are. Do they know how to treat plantar fasciitis? Because if they do, awesome. If they don't, they can talk to us also. You can find out lots more at the website. But providers who are watching. If you're a provider watching, <laughs> add yourself to our map. Exactly. It's free to add yourself to the map. If you want to know more about how to do this kind of thing, that's where you need to go ahead and, and talk to us about what your needs are so that we can mm -hmm. meet them. We can give you every, I mean, we could set you up to do nothing but laser therapy all day, every day mm -hmm. with all the different types of, of conditions that laser can be used for. Mm -hmm. Or you can be very narrow. You want to learn how to do um, neuropathy treatments? We've got you. We got you covered. Mm -hmm. We've got a package just for that. You can learn about it and be up and rolling tomorrow with neuropathy pa uh, patients getting better in your clinic. Mm -hmm. So let us know how we can help. Yep. See you next week. Subscribe now to keep learning about the growing field of laser therapy. Check out our patient-focused podcast, Healing at the Speed of Light, a great resource for your patients. For massive practice growth and improved patient outcomes, Become a certified Laser Therapy Institute clinic. Learn how at lasertherapyinstitute.org.